Hello, and welcome to Imperfect Men, yet another Rexypod rating all the founding fathers of the USA, from Andrew Adams to George With. I'm Cody. I'm Stephen. And I am surprised I got through that <laughs> with no mistakes, because this is the first time in five weeks we've recorded. It's been a while. We were uh, traipsing tra- around uh, Japan. Yeah, a little inside baseball tra- listener. Traipsing. Traipsing, that's the word. <clears throat> but what I want to uh, come back on, because today we're talking about... Samuel Chase. Samuel Chase. Okay. Yep. <laughs> cool. Uh, Samuel Chase, born April 17th, 1741 in Somerset County, Maryland, mm-hmm. the son of Reverend Thomas Chase and his wife Matilda, Matilda, who died giving birth to Samuel. Oh. Yeah. He's a reverend, huh? His, his old papa. Yep. Mm, okay. And he, he tried to do, you know, the best, give his son the best education he could. You know, mm. couldn't afford much, but... Still managed to like get him into good places, and uh, he uh, Samuel began studying. Do you want to guess? <gasps> Biology. <laughs> law. <laughs> law. Of the course. Law at age eighteen. That's all you could do that back then was just law. Yep. Law just law. or reverend <laughs> yeah. or, or merchant. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe yeah. a trader or something or plantation owner. That's about it. Oh yeah. Well. Uh, and Samuel was admitted to the bar two years later at age twenty. He was nicknamed by his colleagues as Old Bacon Face. <laughs> That's an amazing nickname. I knew, I knew you Old Bacon that. Face. Uh, Why because he have, when like, he grew angry or agitated, his face would get very, very red. Did it have like white stripes through it, too? I couldn't find anything about that. Did he sizzle? <laughs> <laughs> he just gets mad. You just hear... <laughs> Everybody's like, mm, what's that delicious smell? Oh, no. It's just old Chase over there. He's, uh... <laughs> old Bacon Face. Yeah, he's Old Bacon Face over uh, there. <laughs> where's his face got... Face got like, like crispy and burnt. Yeah, mm, delicious. All right. Anyways. Uh, I, I I like my bacon. I, I'll say this: if it's on a sandwich, I like it a little crispier. Mm-hmm. If it's just by itself, I like it to be a little more chewy. No, see, I like crispy all the way, on everything. Yeah, that's regular fair. and. I, I like it crispier on a sandwich because I don't want to fight my sandwich. Well, yeah, nobody wants to fight their sandwich. Well, yeah. Anyway. Enough about bacon. Yeah, enough about bacon face. I <laughs> uh, married Anne Baldwin in 1762. And they would go on to have seven children. Dang! Uh, he was elected to the Maryland legislature in 1764, where he would serve until 1784. So if you do the math, he's only 23 years old when he gets elected. So That's a lot of these guys young. are like that. Yeah. Yeah, they do all this, sh- all this stuff like super young. He was involved in various protests and movements against British overreach, which we'll mm-hmm. go into more detail on that later. He represented Maryland in both Continental Congresses, where he signed the Continental Association and the Declaration of Independence. Dang! So he signed two of the four. No. Unfortunately, in 1776, just after the independence debate, his wife Anne died uh, after a uh, long illness. Oh, no. And he just continues on in, Cong- in the Continental Congress until 1778. He does not really take part in the debate over the Articles of Confederation, doesn't sign them or anything. Uh, and he goes back, uh, still in the Maryland legislature, and also continuing to practice law. Okay. After the war's conclusion, Chase traveled to England to help settle Maryland's war debts. And while there, he met Hannah Kilty, mm. the daughter of an English physician. Ooh. She accompanied Chase back home, and they married in 1784. Dang. And they would have two children. Uh, two more children? Yep. I count. Let's see. That's nine. nine. Oh, yep. man. He declined appointment to the Constitutional Convention in 1787 and led the opposition in Maryland to the Constitution 
at the ratifying convention the following year. Whoa. But it passed despite his opposition. In 1788, he was appointed to a lower state court position before, in August 1791, being promoted to Chief Justice of the Maryland Supreme Court. Mm. Yet another Mm -hmm. state Supreme Court Chief Justice that we've had. Mm -hmm. And he would serve there until February 1796, when he was nominated by President Washington to replace John Blair, who we talked about, on the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay. And he took office on the on the Supreme Court as an associate justice on February fourth, seventeen ninety six, and he has a hand in some of the early some early major cases, which again we'll get into in We the People. But uh, after the election of Thomas Jefferson in eighteen hundred as president, his Democratic Republican Party yes I know the name is confusing, <laughs> his party took over uh, both chambers of Congress and they began rolling back several. Uh, measures implemented by the Federalist Party, who'd had control uh, up to this point, mm-hmm. including judiciary reform. Okay. Jefferson and his cronies also looked to influence the Supreme Court, especially after the landmark Marbury v. Madison ruling. That's the one in 1801 that essentially established that the Supreme Court has final say over judicial review. Mm-hmm. They can review any law, as long as a you know, suit is brought against against the law. And decide whether or not it's constitutional. Right. And that hadn't really been firmly established yet. And Jefferson didn't like this because he saw the Supreme Court like, oh, they may get in the way of my agenda. Uh, Of course. Like many a president since. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They don't don't like that. They're having that much power because it's like, well, then then I don't have as much power. That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Chase had always had a reputation for being kind of hot tempered. And free with his opinions. <laughs> uh, and he'd made some questionable remarks surrounding some high-profile cases recently. And this was the excuse that the Democratic Republicans used to impeach him in March 1804. Dang. He is impeached. Get him out of there. After a long delay, his Senate trial began in February 1805. After some debate, Chase was acquitted huh. and kept his seat on the court, and to this day, he is the only Supreme Court justice to have ever been impeached. Wow, really? Yes. Dang. Which is saying something considering the court nowadays. Yeah, right. Uh, He continued on the court until his death on June 19th, 1811, at age 70 in Baltimore. So that's... 70, he lived a a little while. Yeah, he did. So, So let's get into the categories. Okay. Perpetual Union, how influential were they on the founding documents? Well, he attended the First Continental Congress and signed the Continental Association, but he didn't really contribute much. Okay. Uh, his suggestion that the trade embargo that the document you know put into place be implemented immediately instead of on December 1st was voted down. Hmm. So it's like he signed it, didn't really contribute much. Now for the declaration, Maryland's delegates had been instructed by the state legislature to oppose independence and work towards reconciliation with Britain. Mm. Now, a lot of the delegates at the Continental Congress, they operated under instructions from the state legislature because that was seen as the real voice of the people because they picked the delegates Okay. as well. So it was like, okay, well, we appointed you. You should do what we tell you because we are the representative of the people because the people didn't directly uh, vote on the members of Congress. Right, okay, yeah, sure. At the time, so... That makes sense. Yeah. 
Well, Chase, uh, he was in favor of independence. So what he does, he leaves Congress, and he goes on a tour through several of Maryland's counties, giving rousing addresses and rallying the people in favor of independence. Okay, interesting. And the public mood changes enough to where Maryland's state legislature changes its mind and instructs its delegates, vote for independence. Are you kidding? He did. That's incredible. Yes. That's really, really important. Yes. Wow. Yeah, so. That's okay. However, he was not present for the final vote on the declaration because, as I mentioned, his wife was dying. Well, that's understandable. So, yeah, understandable why he's not there. So, and there's other Maryland delegates there. You know, he's not necessarily needed. But he does return to sign the document on August the 2nd. Okay. When the final copy is you know, done up by all of them. So Wow. And as I mentioned, he turned down appointment to the Constitutional Convention in 1787, opposed to the need to modify or replace the Articles of Confederation. He thinks they're fine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he led what was called anti-federalist opposition, because like the federalists, those are like very pro-Constitution, pro-strong federal government. Mm-hmm. Anti-federalists are very like, no, we don't want a strong federal government. We mm-hmm. want the states to have the power. Okay. So he's, he's kind of in the anti-federalist camp. Okay. And he led the opposition to uh, the Constitution at Maryland's ratifying convention. His main problems were that the taxing powers were too broad. Mm-hmm. And, now, and now this next part was a gripe that a lot of people had with the Constitution. It had no protections for individual freedoms. Mm. which would be remedied by the Bill of Rights. Okay. So, uh, in his view, quote, the convention had exceeded its authority by proposing an entirely new government to replace the Confederation. The new government, national rather than truly federal in principle, virtually unlimited in its powers, must inevitably swallow up the hitherto sovereign states. Dang. He was, okay. States' rights. Right. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. That old chestnut. However, he was one of only 11 Marylanders in the convention to vote against ratification as opposed to 63 in favor. Oh, jeez. So he is quite overwhelmingly outnumbered. Yeah. And Chase subsequently lost an election to the Maryland legislature. Mm-hmm. His opponent said, quote, His Federalist opponents replied that sending Chase to the legislature to put the Constitution into effect would be entrusting one's house keys to a burglar. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, that's why I got for Perpetual Union. Dang. Didn't do much for the Continental Association. Kind of pushed the Maryland public to uh, independence. Yeah. And gave token opposition to the Constitution, but didn't really matter. Which is so weird. So, he was, like so, he was so for independence, but he did not want the Constitution to be a thing. Wow. Which is funny, considering that later on he becomes a very staunch Federalist. Oh. Okay. So it's like he, he has these ups and downs, like, okay, okay. He, he really just kind of political chameleon, sort of. Well, I mean, is it good to be? Because that means you're open to other ideas. Yes. So true. that's that's good, true. in my opinion. Um, it's out of 10, right? Yes. I'm going to give him like a 7. 7? Yeah. Just because he changed the people's mind in Maryland. Yeah. Or at least, the, at least the uh, state legislature. Well, he changed the people's mind, and then they yeah. changed yeah. the legislature. Yeah. Like that's a big. Well, it could be like you know people are like maybe like yeah sure I'll be with independence, but like not really 
you know, gung ho about it, and the, and the people in the legislature were like, no, 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 let's put let's put the brakes on it. But then, like you know, you know, fl- the, their office is flooded with calls. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> um, p- posts. Yeah. Posts. <laughs> uh, it's like, hey, you should you should do this constitution bu- or the declaration business. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, y- yeah. 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 Or maybe they just went down there. Everybody's kind of like around. That's true. You know, <laughs> they probably like the you know just went to Baltimore. Like, like two hundred hey. people that live there or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> There's probably a couple thousand people um, out there. Yeah, I'm gonna give him a seven as well because yeah, yeah, that that is important to like because the declaration, like more more so than any of the other documents, that needed to be unanimous. Yes, because if you have like you know twelve want to declare independence, but one like no, it's like that that really. It's not. Doesn't look like you're. It looks like you're divided. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're not the United States, are you? No, you're so. not united. And then that that could have worked for England, big time. Oh yeah, yeah like, just stick a wedge in between. Exactly. Them. Especially yeah. Maryland, because it's right in the middle. Yeah, especially so. if they're like, well, you fight for us. Yeah. Exactly. And then they have like so. a state fighting for them. Yeah, yeah that would have been a whole thing. That yeah. would have been bad. <laughs> so you see, I'm gonna go with the seven as well. So seven and seven that is a fourteen for perpetual union for Samuel Chase. Mm. We the people, how influential were they outside the founding documents? I think he's going to do real well here as well. Mm. I think he's going to do very good here as well. <laughs> he served in the Maryland legislature for 20 years. He helped lead opposition to the Stamp Act in Maryland, which remember this is the act in 1765 where every doc- every document or piece of paper yeah. had to have a oh, yeah. stamp on it you had to pay for. Bull yeah. crap. He led opposition to that in Maryland, and soon after, co-founded the Maryland branch of the Sons of Liberty. Dang, that's remind me what the Sons like of Liberty. Samuel Adams. It's like their kind of like rabble rouser group. Yeah. Um. Very. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Organized to like you know kind of oppose British stuff, like okay. not like nonviolent, but you know just kind of loud. Get, yeah. 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 So. Uh, he continued to speak out against Britain in the years leading up to the Revolution. Quote. When I reflect on the enormous influence of the crown, the system of corruption introduced as the art of government, the venality of the electors, the radical source of every other evil, the open and repeated violations by parliament, I have not the least dawn of hope in the justice, humanity, wisdom, or virtue of the British nation. I consider them as one of the most abandoned and wicked people under the sun. Our dependence must be on God and ourselves. Well, that's some strong words, friend. Yeah. So, Dang. Like, it, it He's kinda... like, screw all of the British people. They're all it, terrible humans. They are the oh. radical source of every evil. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a little, a little much, but he's hey, trying to, you know, he's hey, going to Old out. Bacon Face, all right. Yeah, the old really go. <laughs> old Bacon Face, he's out there really telling it how it is. Yeah. <laughs> he does not like that British bacon. No. No. <laughs> Good old American bacon. Too too ch- too chewy. Too <laughs> chewy. He was part of the failed commission to enlist Canadian support in the early days of the war, which you remember. Uh, we spoke about this on Charles Carroll's episode. Him, uh, Chase, and Benjamin Franklin, and one of Carroll's cousins went up to uh, Canada to try to get them. Hey, hey, how about you uh, join us against Britain? They're like, mm, now nah, we're good. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Not, not our fight, bud. <laughs> not yeah. our fight. Uh, Chase, he helped write Maryland's first constitution. That's nice. 
He traveled to England in 1784, as I mentioned previously, to arrange the sale of Maryland's Bank of England stock in order to pay off the state's war debts. Dang, okay. The Bank of England, it's not exactly like our Federal Reserve. Uh-huh. It's kind of serves kind of the same purpose. Um, and Maryland held stock in the Bank of England, even through the war. Okay. So they wanted to sell it to pay off their debts. Uh, there were some issues with it where I, I some monetary or legal, I, I didn't fully understand. Sure, Point yeah. being, Chase failed. Sure. But that's where he met his new bride. Yeah, right. Yeah. And brought her back home. Two kids. Uh, that issue, the uh, the war debts issue, wouldn't be solved until 1804. So quite a while later. Yeah. As I mentioned, he was the Chief Justice of the Maryland Supreme Court, appointed in August 1791, while simultaneously serving as a judge in Baltimore County. So okay. he's holding two of these judgeships at once, one of which, like, like the county judge, so like, let's say Chase rules against uh, a, particip- a party in the suit, mm-hmm. and they appeal to a higher court. <laughs> The higher court's him. Yes. He's like, ah, surprise, mother. <laughs> yeah, I'm here too. <laughs> I'm here. I'm everywhere. And guess what? No. No. <laughs> you still lose. Appeal, de- appeal denied. <laughs> good day, sir. <laughs> I, I, I bid you good day. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's a little shifty. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. But he used his position as a county judge to crack down on protests that broke out in Baltimore in 1793. This is what really kind of endears him to the Federalist Party. Because that's, that's kind of where George Washington leans. So it's like, okay, why you, you think about like why would he appoint someone who is an anti-Federalist, oppose the Constitution? Why would he support, appoint them to the Supreme Court? Right. Well, he kind of like Chase, he kind of changes a little bit over those years mm-hmm. on the bench. And this kind of solidifies that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in the Federalist size, these protests, they'd broken out. Uh, Washington had put a temporary embargo on all British and French goods just to like kind of try to stay neutral during the French Revolution. Oh, right. Because we didn't want any part of that mess. Right. <laughs> and yeah. a lot of the merchants in Baltimore were like, uh, that's our livelihood you're messing with there, buddy. Mm. So there's a lot of protests. And Chase uh, was just very like, you go to jail, and you go to jail, <laughs> and you go to jail, and you get a fine, and you go to jail. Wow. Yeah, he was handing out some jail sentences, and the Federalists were like, well, we like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they were protesting our policy, so it's like, yeah, well, they they probably should be in prison. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, And so he was appointed to the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, and he took, uh, he authored the opinions in two pretty important cases. Now, Supreme Court opinions, they essentially boil down to two things. A majority opinion and a dissenting opinion. Majority opinion is obviously the opinion of the majority of the court. Sure. Dissenting opinion, the opinion of the minority. Okay. A lot of cases you just end up with those two things. Sometimes you get a unanimous decision where it's like just one opinion for the court. Yeah. You can also have a situation where, like, let's say we have a, today a 6-3 ruling. Three justices dissent. They could each write their own dissent. Like... I dissent for this reason. Mm. I dissent for this reason. Or they could like have one justice write it and the other two be like, we agree with that. And so say like, let's say Justice Kagan so joined by Sotomayor and I don't know, uh, Gorsuch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the majority. So like maybe have one person write it 
and the other justices be like, I agree with that, and you're joined by them. Or they can write their own concurring opinion. Like, okay. I agree with this for a different reason. Oh, okay, yeah. He authored the opinions on two very important cases. In 1796, in Ware v. Hilton, I'm not going to go into each of these, like the doldrums of each of these cases, because it's kind of confusing. But point being, that case held that treaties made by the federal government overrode any conflicting state laws. Okay. So, like, if there is a state law in New York that says, we have... Uh, full control over all fishing rights on Lake Ontario. Okay. Even though Canada, you know, goes up, also, you know, would have fishing rights on Lake Ontario. If the U.S. makes a treaty with Canada that's saying, okay, we have fishing rights on just this bottom half of Lake Ontario. Canada, you have the other one. Mm -hmm. That treaty is going to trump that New York state law. Okay, yeah. So, and this was the first ruling... <laughs> Regarding the supremacy of federal law over state law. Okay. So that's that's pretty important. That is, yeah. Because, you know... It, it's establishing something. Yes. Because, yeah. like, the Constitution, it lays out all this stuff, but a lot of the enforcement legwork of it is done through... The courts. Yes. Which makes sense. Yeah, yes. I mean, that's how you get that stuff. And that's how you kind of, like, work out the kinks. Exactly, yeah. So... Yeah. It still works that like that today. Uh, yes. I mean, yeah. So... Uh, the other case was... Calder v. Bull in 1798, and it helped to flesh out what's called ex post facto law. Uh, ex post facto law is essentially a a law that makes something illegal in retrospect. Okay, yeah. Which is which is unconstitutional. The Constitution, like it specifically says, Congress may not pass an ex, ex uh, an ex post facto law. Dang, okay. Trump says it. So, like, let's say hypothetical, um, murder is legal. Okay. You murder me. Uh-huh. Tomorrow, Congress declares murder illegal. Oh. They cannot go back and charge you for uh -huh. murder. Right. Because you did it when it was legal. Like the purge. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll go with that. I've never you can't seen charge it because the purge. I've never seen it. it so. That's exactly what it is. Like okay. there's one day of the year where everybody can do whatever yeah. they want. No, and there's no uh no consequences. Yeah, no consequences. And that includes murdering anything. And uh, they can't go back and be like, well, they, now you you're in trouble <laughs> because you did that. Yeah. It's, the same, it's the same thing. Yeah, okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So if People yeah. have seen the purge, they'll know. <laughs> but it, you know, it fleshes that out a little bit more, uh, so it's pretty important in terms of that. I, I think that it ruled that it is only applicable in criminal cases and not civil cases, Okay. Um, which is why uh, that journalist or whatever could sue Donald Trump 20 years later for rape. Right. And get a monetary judgment because it was a civil case. Right. Okay. Yeah. Not a criminal. He wasn't criminally being charged with rape. Gotcha. So. Um. So yeah. So that that is uh, we the people. Dang, that was a lot. Yeah. Pretty pretty big things there. I mean, that was a, some establishing. Um. Yeah, like uh, you know, some, malls and stuff. Uh, and some pretty good stuff about yeah, like pushing for independence. You know, prior to the war. Yeah. Um, writing Maryland's Constitution. Dang. Uh, yeah, and, the, and those two instances of, you know, pretty early important case, uh, Supreme Court case law. Yeah, those so, are pretty important for future. So, give me like an eight. Eight. I'm going to go with the seven. Yeah. Uh, 
Like, I, I kind of want to, like, save my higher scores for, like, somebody who might do something more later. <laughs> right. But also, there's still a 9 and 10. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I know. I know. But, I mean, that's still 8 and a 7. That's still a 15. That's pretty pretty darn good so far. I mean, he yeah, he's done so. some good stuff here. Some questionable stuff, but also some a lot of good stuff. Now we come to some some of the juicy bits I teased earlier. Oh. Articles of impeachment. Oh, no. How scandalous were they? Ooh. Well, they own slaves. Ah, son of a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't really find any detail on it, and the fact that he was... Is he Southern? He wa- uh, Maryland? Yeah. Is that s- South? Uh, well, I mean, it was a slave state up through the Civil War. Was it? It didn't secede. It was a border state. Okay. But it did have slavery. Slavery, especially at this time... Like even it, it was still legal in areas of you know what we consider the North. Sure, yeah. It was um, much less prevalent, like by far, because mm-hmm. the South was much more of an uh, like a agrarian economy. Sure, uh, large plantations like Need that more type of thing. Yeah. Physical labor, yeah. yes. And it was you know laws were being introduced to, like phase it out. Uh-huh. A, lot, a lot of gr- like what's called gradual emancipation, yeah. where it's like okay, everybody. Under a certain age is free, you know, or stuff like yeah, uh, hmm. certain qualifiers on it. So yeah, it's, it's slavery, yeah, was still pretty widespread across the country, but uh-huh. it was still concentrated in the South. But he was not like a plantation owner; he was just he was a lawyer. So it may have just been like one or two, like I don't know, house slaves, but that's right. still so it's it's not like plantation scale. That's not like hundreds. Yeah, yeah. not like uh, uh, what was his name, Pierce Butler? Yeah, man, where yeah. had several plantations. <laughs> yeah. So, but but. Still slavery. Yeah, oh, of yeah, course. So. Yeah, yeah. If it's hundreds or just one, yeah. it's still the... Uh, his. I don't know if I give me points for this. His second wife was barely four years older than his oldest daughter from his first marriage. That's okay. It's I mean, that, that happens, though. I, I know. It's just a little icky. Like the younger, the yeah. younger ones. Ew. Oh. Ew. Oh, ew. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, maybe a point. Yeah. <laughs> But now we come to the meat of this category, and what I mentioned earlier, he was impeached. He was actually impeached. This, yep. The name Chase, of this. Yep. Chase had long been outspoken, uh, but this worked to his disadvantage once the Democratic Republicans began looking for an excuse to remove him. Hmm. In May 1803, he had used a communication to a Baltimore grand jury to openly denounce the, the Judiciary Act of 1801 which was the Democratic-Republican legislation that had rolled back a lot of those Federalist judiciary reforms, like right after Jefferson came into office. Quote, The late alteration of the federal judiciary and the recent change in our state constitution by the establishment of universal suffrage will take away all security for personal property and liberty, and our Republican constitution will sink into a mobocracy, the worst of all popular governments, end quote. Mobocracy. This is from a Supreme Court justice. Who like they're not supposed to be political. All right. They are supposed to be impartial. All right. Of course. Yeah, they're ju- they're a freaking judge. Yes. The Democratic Republicans were also angry at Chase for his conduct as a circuit judge in two trials. Now remember, the Supreme Court justices, they weren't in Washington the whole time. They also uh did what was called writing circuit. Because mm-hmm. there yeah. weren't like uh, what we have today is like circuit courts of appeals, right? Which is what the district, ju- like any rulings in the district courts, you could appeal to the circuit, the circuit judges. Mm-hmm. And the Supreme Court justices they rode around their assigned territories, 
and like Road Circuit heard appeals, and you know Chase also did this. He heard appeals in two cases that angered Democratic Republicans. The first was the trial of John Freeze. <coughs> wait, 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 <coughs> Mister Freeze, <laughs> chill out. No new taxes. <laughs> Uh, he he led opposition uh, to some taxes that the Federalists had implemented. It's called Freeze Rebellion. It wasn't like it wasn't like a full scale like revolt or anything like that. Just you know, but just a couple goons with some freeze rays. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Read my lips. No new taxes. <laughs> Chase, what are you doing to me? <laughs> Lower the taxes. Do it now. <laughs> oh, boy. He's still going. I'm still going. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other case was the case of James Callender. <laughs> Freezing Calendar. So, Calendar <laughs> <Calendar> Man. Man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is... Was he Batman? <laughs> was Chase actually Batman? I mean, his father's name was Thomas. What the heck? And his mother died when he was young. What? what? <laughs> the parallels... And as a justice, he probably wore black a lot. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> okay, well, this is weird. Yeah. So, Calendar and, uh, Man and Mr. And Freeze. And the Joker showed up now. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. But Calendar, um, he's going to show, he, he's going to pop back up uh, in a couple episodes. Okay. No, not a couple episodes, probably in, like, in, I know he's going to pop up in Jefferson's episode, because we'll be talking about some scandalous stuff that uh, he, uh. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Calendar will return. <laughs> calendar man will return yeah in the next issue of <laughs> uh but chase had charged him uh and freeze under the alien and sedition acts which if you remember from john adams episode was kind of really when you think about it not re- really unconstitutional laws that were passed just to like you could jail people for criticizing the government type of stuff mm, yeah yeah so and the and the uh, democratic republicans they did not like chase for ruling uh his rulings during these uh, trials, he had uh, refused to permit some witnesses for the defense. He would like badger them. It was almost like, and he was also like very just kind of like giving hints to the jury as to what they should do. Okay, which isn't good. Well, it sounds like he already has mind made up about these. Uh, yeah. So, but wow, this led the House to adopt eight articles of impeachment against Chase. Submitted to the Senate on December fifth, eighteen o four. Now remember, they voted to impeach him on March, uh, da, 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 March twelfth, eighteen o five. They don't send the actual articles over to the Senate until December, because remember, Congress at this time has that long summer recess. Right. Yep. And Chase has this, uh, this long summer to prepare his defense. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I mentioned. The House was a 73-32 to 32 vote, so it was kind of overwhelmingly mm-hmm, uh, to mm-hmm. impeach him. But, uh, the leader of the prosecution was a man by the name of John Randolph of Roanoke. Kind of like Charles Carroll of Carrollton. Yeah. There were so many John Randolphs, you had to put a All right. location that did fire on him. I thought you were going to say uh, <laughs> Matt Murdock. No. <laughs> they just do all the comic book characters. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, I can't remember She-Hulk's name. Like, uh, yeah, I don't remember uh, her uh, actual name. I don't know. Um, Jennifer Walters, was it? Uh, I think, maybe, yeah, something, something like that. Right. Yeah, 
Foggy Nelson. There's a there's a Daredevil's uh, friend there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, John Randolph Roanoke. He was a member of the House of Representatives. Uh, kind of controversial guy. He was also Thomas Jefferson's cousin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he led the prosecution. And Chase, who could have easily served his own de- his own defense counsel. I mean, he's on the Supreme Court for a reason. The man knows the law. Yeah. He instead hired like a top team of attorneys from back in Maryland, like people who he was buddies with. Oh, sure. He had wanted Alexander Hamilton to serve as his chief counsel, but Hamilton had been killed by Aaron Burr in July of 1804. Oh, dang. And weirdly enough, as vice president, Burr would preside over the trial in the Senate. Oh, weird. Yeah, so that'd be weird. Like, you get up there, but like, um, I think the the judge of the trial should recuse himself because he killed my defense attorney. <laughs> you think? That's, <laughs> yeah, but I guess not. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. not back then, I guess. Yeah. Well, Murder yeah, was... impeachment's a little different. Like, Burr couldn't actually like do anything, but you know, right, still it's it's like weird. He, he didn't have a stake in the or he didn't have a stake in the game anyway. But so on February fourth, eighteen oh five, the Senate trial began, and the prosecution, which had kind of a weak take uh, case to begin with, uh, bungled at several opportunities. Randolph had studied law, but he never actually practiced as an attorney, and he was just outmatched by Chase and his team. Sure. So on March first, eighteen oh five, the Senate voted to acquit Chase. Closest votes were 18 votes to convict, 16 to acquit. Because mm. remember, you need a two-thirds majority. Mm. And so, so you would need uh, 23 votes to remove him from office. Now, the Democratic-Republicans, of the 34 senators, 25 of them were Democratic-Republicans. So if they had voted on party lines, they could have removed him. Oh, wow. But some of them were just like, even though they didn't like Chase personally, they didn't they didn't like his you know, politics, they didn't like what he was doing, they felt it was a bad precedent because uh, they're essentially removing him because they don't agree with him. Mm, that makes sense. And so his acquittal, it really helps establish an independent judiciary. Because if we get to the point where we're just impeaching and removing ju- uh, judges because we don't agree with them, we don't like their politics... That kind of defeats the purpose. Yes. Yeah, it's like one of those things. Like it's a, uh, they. Yeah, it's like um, I, I don't know what what you call it, but yeah, yeah, I know. What yeah, I yeah. see what you're saying, but yeah, but uh, yeah, and so like every, I mean, there have been several. M- most of the people who've been impeached have been judges. Hmm. There have been 21 impeachments in U.S. history for federal officers, amongst 20 people because someone got impeached twice. <laughs> Where that was. Uh, and most, and they were pretty much all of them. From this point forward, it was because of like legal or ethical uh, issues that they were, like bribery. Oh, sure. Yeah. Or Something I think one sense. of them was removed for like in the past like twenty years was removed was removed for sexual assault. Right. You know, stuff like that. That you know that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the last judge who was impeached and removed from office was in twenty ten. Dang. And it was for like bribery and stuff like that. Sure. And corruption. Well, we can't do that. But none of them have been because we just didn't like the guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a that's a pretty uh, uh, weak defense or weak uh, defense. Yeah, yeah. So like, no, we just hey, we just don't like him. Okay, that's yeah. it. <laughs> it's like no, that's not good enough. So, um, so yeah, uh, I I want I, I mean it was impeachment. I felt it should go here. Sure, but it it, it wasn't necessarily personal scandal. No. Other than, I mean, I mean, yeah, like he said some stuff he shouldn't have. 
he was probably maybe being a bit too opinionated for a, for a supposedly impartial person. Right. Or at least someone who's supposed to be present themselves as impartial. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, maybe you want to give him a couple points for, like, for for that part of it, but the just actually being impeached. Yeah. Probably mm-hmm. not, because that was definitely, like, just a, essentially, for to borrow a phrase, a partisan hit job. Right. It's not like William Blunt, who we right. talked about earlier, yeah. who fully deserved to be impeached yeah. and was expelled from the Senate for his shenanigans. Sure. Deserved it. Yeah. Chase probably didn't really deserve it. Like, maybe, like, censure him. Yeah. Like, maybe just be like, hey... We see Th- you. This is your war. This is your warning. Yeah, we see you. You got to be more impartial, bud. Yeah, but I don't know about impeachment. So that the slavery thing, <laughs> marrying a very young woman. I don't know. So six. what do you want to give him? I'm giving him a six. Four six. automatically for slaves. Yeah. One for the weird young wife. <laughs> yeah. And one for that. I'm gonna agree with you. A six, a six sounds about right for me. Um. So, definitely a controversial guy. Uh, six and a six as a twelve for articles of impeachment, which is still kind of high. I mean, it's more well, than half. He's a slave owner, man. Yeah, that's what all. That's what. That's a big part of it. So, you have the seven, uh, seven of the like twenty. Three people we've talked about so far have gotten more than ten. So, mm, yep. So now, your favorite category: yes. the whites of their eyes. What this guy look like? Uh, there's a couple big portraits of him out there. Yeah. There's one that was done uh, posthumously, like is like kind of like a Supreme Court portrait. Mm-hmm. I don't want to use that one because it's like it's after he died. So okay. So I'm using this portrait from 1773 from Charles Wilson Peale, who did a lot of the portraits and paintings of people of the era. Okay. Let's see it. It's a little... uh, This is the highest res one I could get, so it's maybe a little fuzzy, but... Ooh, this is a good... Okay, this one's good. I like this. Yeah. Lots of color. He is wearing black like we were talking about. Uh, He's got got like a... His quill in his hand. He's like, like he's about to write some probably... Some law some, or some something. legal. Uh, He's got some books in the background, yeah. a nice drape. He's sitting in a big, comfy-looking red chair. This is a lot going on in this. Yeah, he's he, he's got like that inquisitive. I love yeah, that. Like, like hmm. they're like head tilt. He's like looking off, like like someone just walked in the door. Like, what the hell are you doing? Get out! <laughs> yeah, get out! I'm having my paint. I'm having my portrait painted. He get looks, out! He looks like a sassy person. Like he's like opinionated. He looks opinionated. If you see, he's got maybe he's got a little red streak right there. Maybe that's oh, a piece bacon, bacon face. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he's uh, that's a good, that's good. Oh yeah, I, um, I, I really like that. How one. many? Uh, five. Five. I'm gonna have, uh, five, I'm giving it a five. I am as well because like it, it's very good. It's very well done. Very yeah. like it shows you like okay, he's a learned guy. He's doing well. You know, he's got and I like the the expression on his face. Like you said, like he's like, you know pissed or about something yeah which sounded like he's kind of pissed about a lot yeah. all the time <laughs> so. so five and a five that's a 10 perfect 10 yeah for that's the whites of their cool. eyes that's which probably is, the best portrait i've seen that is because he's the highest score in that category there you go yeah and i'm also going to show you because he is in the declaration painting it's right over there oh there he is yeah and he's kind of got his hair's a little frumpled yeah, because he's so. probably yelling at somebody. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, he's there. So, 
Even though he was not there when the declaration was presented. Sure. Yeah. The, but it's fine. It took some artistic liberties there. Uh, bonus points. He gets two bonus points. He signed the Declaration and the Continental Association. Which gives him a grand total of 53. Dang, that's pretty high, huh? He's the highest scorer so far. No way! He, uh, Pierce Butler was the previous one at 51.5. Wow. That was our god-awful slave... Yeah, but he had so much going yeah. on. So this guy, though, but yeah. in a better way, still slave owner. Yeah, but, but nowhere near. Nowhere near is bad. No. Did not put slavery into the Constitution. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's good. But it's not about the score. Mm. We got to ask the question. Samuel Chase, a founding father or a floundering <laughs> father? <laughs> 100% f- founding father oh yeah absolutely. he did way too much and absolutely. too many important things to not be yeah uh, absolutely i i agree 100 percent uh yeah definitely deserves it mm-hmm. so deserves to be remembered as part of that founding generation so uh, well, especially i mean if not just for just the turning maryland to the yeah pushing it towards independence uh, yeah even just like his impeachment trial even though it was like yeah, but like you know, maybe you shouldn't have done that. But like, it's also just very—it's that's only happened twenty-one times in the entire history of this country of all right. the people who have ever served in office in this country. And that one, and his is probably one of the ones that were like, "Come on, really?" Yeah, that was an early one to really be like, "This should not be partisan." Right. This should not be partisan, at least for judges. Right. Because for the president, very partisan. <laughs> yeah. As we have learned. Multiple times in recent years. Uh, so, sources for this. Uh, Emmy Bradford's The Restless Incendiary, Samuel Chase of Maryland, from 1991. Uh, Adam Perlin's uh, paper in the Rutgers Law Review titled The Impeachment of Samuel Chase, Redefining Judicial Independence, from 2010. Ray Raphael's article Samuel Chase's Wild Ride, from the Journal of the American Revolution, from <laughs> 2013. The article on Samuel Chase from the Society of the Descendants of the Signers of the Declaration of Independence. Wow, that's a mouthful. Yes, it is. <laughs> a lot of, of the, of the, of the, of. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, see the pinned tweet for general sources. The podcast I'm going to recommend this time is a new Rexy pod out there called Settling the Score. Mm. Basically, they go through and rank all the classical composers, oh. which is a little, little different. Okay. So like, you know, Beethoven and Mozart and Bach. Yeah, all those guys that I don't I don't know classical music. Um, I don't own, know so. a lot either. I know but Mozart. Hey, if that if that tickles your fancy, go look go give him a listen. So I got a little statue of Mozart over there. I know uh, yeah, we're 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 not the we're not the baby Rexypod anymore. Oh, we're not. Yeah. We've been around for a bit. Yeah, we have. We got listeners and stuff. I know. It's weird. We uh passed thousand downloads. Just for this? Uh, Teresa told me that like last week, I think. Okay, just for this, not for all the other ones that we do. Yeah, yeah, just for Imperfect Men, one thousand and ninety, I think she said. Dang. As of you know, December fifth, twenty twenty three, and we've been at this since we started January of this year. Oh man, thank you. Coming up on our one year anniversary. We are. I, (laughs) I, yeah, I just realized that we should do something. I need to think of it. But yeah, we'll 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 discuss that later. Yeah. Well, thanks, listeners. So, yeah, so uh, that was Samuel Chase. Next time, we will be discussing 
Abraham Clark Ooh. from New Jersey. New Jersey. Big Abe from New Jersey. Yeah. So cool. stay tuned. Cool. Please be sure to check out our other projects, including We Effed Up, a history podcast where we cover all the times in history where we effed up. And The Drunken Pawn, a YouTube channel where we play board games and drink craft beer. As well as Hard Ticket to Sedaris, a movie podcast covering the action films of the late Andy Sedaris. And for all of our projects, visit our Twitter at AOP Pod Network. I'm Steven. And I'm Cody. And this is Imperfect, Imperfect Men. Men.